So I just thought I'd talk about the domain, domain of um, domain of insight. We pass on our So we've been talk, uh, thinking, well, I've been thinking, talking about the various uh, skills we develop, ongoing development, ongoing um, motivation to keep developing skills of intention, attention, concentration, mindfulness and so forth. Of course, practice is always occurring in in real time. It's not just an abstract system that's kind of floating around in virtual reality, but something that's planted. Real time and subjective experience. That's why any system's always got to be carefully held, because people's subjective experience is quite distinct. You only draw out broad maps and this subjectivity is, is not just a matter of people's opinions but we're actually wired differently it's called, called a karma and this is quite a, a significant matter because it's exactly this uh, subjectivity this subjective wiring that only we can only really uh, unravel or contemplate or understand or transcend intimately in ourselves and we have to engender or give rise to a quality of mind or awareness that can do that Now there is a particular development of of mind, mindfulness, and full awareness, sati sampajanya, is the application and the receptivity, alertness, really reading clearly what's going on, attention, uh, mindfulness, bearing something in mind and reading it clearly. What are the signs? What's it telling you? Where's the snagging? Where's the release? Where how do skillful states arise and cease? Mm-hmm. And this comes under the heading of uh, direct awareness, and direct awareness or can lead to or direct knowing, parinya, can lead to something called abhinya, which means the uh, uh, transcendent knowing. So parinya is the awareness, direct knowing of the skillful and unskillful states, and uh, abhinya is the realization of the, of the deathless or something beyond skillful and unskillful. So this we have to really uh, handle, get this sense of direct knowing. to the skillful and the unskillful. Mm. So this is the domain of our own our own experience. We don't have the same areas that we feel 
compulsive in or reactive in or grabbing the same things or recoiling from the same things or phasing out, fuzzing out over the same things. You will have a idiosyncrasy, so you have to work with these. But they are basically, the, the fundamental map of the domain is called the five khanda, or five aggregates. It's called aggregate. Aggregate means things that are stuck together. Mm-hmm. And each of, so each of these five itself is not one thing, but actually an accumulation. So we have five aggregates, rupa, form, which is said to be a sticking together of earth, air, fire and water, properties, the property of rigidity, um, the ability to um, maintain solidity, which is physical, also mental, you know, you get really rigid about something or you can hold it firmly. This could be skillful or unskillful. Air is, the, is that which exerts pressure. It could be breath, very subtle pressure, pushing the body open and closed, pushing through the muscles, diaphragm, the lungs and so forth. It could be the wind blowing leaves around. It's that which exerts pressure, gets things moving. Could be skillful or unskillful, couldn't it? Could be restless, impulsive, or it could be just the skillful massaging and flowing. Water, quality of cohesion, that which binds things together, makes things harmonious. We flow along as milk and water blend, as they say in the suttas. Sense of there's no stiff edges. There's no sense of fences, it's flowing. Of course it could be unskillful and we just get no perspective, just swamped. And you actually see how the language, the metaphors, even of English language, still correspond to those same properties. We get all fired up about something. Really on fire with things. Lit up with great ideas. Um, Fire element. Or it could be warm. You know, warm-hearted Enthusiastic, could be skillful or unskillful. Fire is that which adheres, it, it connects, it flashes, it sparks, it connects to something, it gets it, it. So to be the, in Vedic thought, fire is a potential quality and it's almost the initiator, Agni, the creator, that which ignites. Suddenly it's the thing that triggers the flash. And so when that manifests, it lands on wood and suddenly there's this flash of fire or something like that. So it's said to be that's, that's Agni, the fire grasps or clings or is supported by a particular something like wood. So fire is that which adheres, it suddenly connects. Fire adheres, um, water coheres, air, earth is a kind of static pressure which resists and air is the pushing pressure which moves. So anything we experience in terms of rupa form is really mixtures of these bound up together. You don't really experience just one on its own. When you experience your body, you experience parts of it seem to be quite firm, even, even stiff. 
other parts of it quite fluid, supple. There's this movement of, of air blowing in and out of it. There's the heat, the warmth of the body. And it's also, you're looking at a kind of nervous level, there's the flashy, sparky, grabbing, fieriness. There's that sense which settles and dissolves and harmonizes with encompasses things. You know, the mind becomes like a pool and things just dissolve into it. We're not grabbing. Could, of course, be a sense of feeling quite stiff or defensive or rigid or stubborn. Yeah. Or we could be quite pushy. You know, the mind can be quite pushy, demanding. Mm. Of course, air can also be something which ventilates, just clears things through, gets things moving through. So these are, you can see these qualities of physical, psychological, internal and external. And that's the point about these aggregates, the five aggregates, is that uh, they're not just a description of oneself, but the description of experience. Mm. So that's the form aggregate. Mm. So when it means the domain really opens up to be pretty holistic, internally, externally, the relationships between them, it's all of it. And you contemplate the, the, the rigid, the flowing, the fiery, the cohesive. And, what, and the idea is to get a sense of a balance by not, not getting fixated on one aspect. So sometimes we like things to be really firm and solid and, you know, we want it to be like that. No, it doesn't quite work like that. You know, routines, fairly firm, but not concrete, you know. We want it to be flowing, but it's not quite flowing because there's definitely there's bells and things. We stop at this time, we stop at another time, we, you know. And it's an open situation, so people breeze in. Suddenly, you know, the whole family turn up and they've, uh, parent has just died and they want to do something about it. Okay, you know. So it's, you know, it's holistic. It's like that internally, excellent. You contemplate and then you want it to be this way and it's not quite this way. But the idea is to, by contemplating these as elements, as particular properties, then you're able to, in a way, take the reactivity out of it it's just that because in the reactivity is where the problem occurs like I want it this way or it's got to be that way or this is, this is too much for me I can't manage this I can't manage this much you know movement or I can't manage this much stillness so we get this thing this is this activity is the is the this compulsive activity is the problem and these activities are of what Sankara, one of the aggregates. So rupa, form, vedana, feeling, basically doesn't mean emotions or moods or intuitions, it just means a quality of pleasure or comfort, disagreeable, physical or mental. Mm. Perception, which is a huge topic, how we what impressions things leave on us, friendly, polite, rude, clear, fuzzy, rigid, dogmatic, uh, you know, open, you know, whatever. We, we take on things, particularly on each other. 
Mm-hmm. A big topic. Monasteries, monasticism, Buddhism, Chitters, nationalities, you know, the whole thing. And you can get these senses of quite uh, fixed feelings about that, or fixed impressions. Mm-hmm. And then Sankara activities, often reflex activities, pretty compulsive. This is really where the wiring is, is most uh, potent, and where we can actually shift it. You can, this is the piece that you can most profitably work on because it underlines the others. It runs through the others. Even consciousness. Consciousness is the, is the experience of something being made present for you. So it's not a... In the English language, consciousness tends to imply a particular, like a noun, you might say, there is consciousness, a particular thing, you know, a subtle immaterial thing property of mind whereas in um, Buddha Dharma consciousness is a verb something is occurring that's making me aware of something something brings to, uh, to the sense doors it's like a messenger rushes out and brings something in rushes out and brings something in it's eyes, ears, nose, tongue it's six folds so it's an aggregate of six accumulation of six with the mind consciousness being the hub, you might say, that the other five keep feeding into. So the mind consciousness is often just sending these messages out, hey, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on, in terms of sight, sound, touch. And if we're closing our eyes and sitting still, then it tends to send messages into itself, like, think of something, how are you feeling, what's going on? You know, and it's, it's a reflex that... Um, you know, it, take, it uh, takes a lot to, to steady and calm that reflex because it is sankhara, it's activated. The sankhara are both uh, activities such as uh, these impulses and reactions and reflexes we get. And also sankhara is said in the suttas to be that which programs the, all the others. Hmm. So I sometimes use the word programming. Sankara, activities, formations. In other words, it's schemas. So these are particular, we see, um, mm, codes, you might say. So, for example, when we experience fear, it's a very, very clear thing happens to everyone's body. Body, body ones are pretty much the same. You experience fear, generally you do not feel relaxed, spacious, open. <laughs> you know, generally there's a tightening up, isn't there? Probably in the belly, there's a flash through the nervous system, there's an you know, activation, the hands, the face, you know, we get like that. Now fear, with even just anxiety. So it can necessarily be a huge uh, leaping monster it could just be the gnawing anxiety that one might be not quite okay here or not welcomed or doing something wrong or you know, worrying about the future. So it can be a, a low-grade uh, anxiety thing. And it still keeps a certain quality of tension there. Yeah. So that, that's the example of a sankara. 
It programs how we experience our bodies, for example. Moves the pieces around. It programs the perceptions we have as to what we find friendly, amusing, um, easy, obvious to me, you know, and completely mysterious to somebody else. This is the obvious way to do a meal. This is the obvious way to <laughs> everybody. And you're like, no, it's not everybody. You know, it's programmed. And, you know, by and large, there's enough similarities to, to, to get by. Mm-hmm. So all so perceptions are programmed, body is programmed, feelings are programmed. You know, if you feel something like cold and if you're sick then the cold can be really really unpleasant if you're healthy it's just brisk so the quality of of how how a sensation is experienced and even to the point when uh, particularly with mental feeling when we feel where the feeling is one of unbearable, you know, uh, overwhelm or whatever, the sense of really disagreeable. It's something that uh, you can see it is programmed. And a lot of insight occurs around that. So, you know, the, the um, you know, you suddenly get some message, you're going to go to a meeting some kind of, oh no, oh no, oh no, God, another tedious, boring, you know, hassle, you know. And wow, look at all that, you know. <laughs> you know, feeling a disagreeable program. Or, oh, it could be really pleasant, you know. And it, it could be either, really. So, and then meditation itself could be really pleasant or a struggle. Mm. So we get these feelings that are built, are bound up with perceptions. So often the mental feelings particularly are, are only actually based upon perceptions. They're not based upon physical things. It may be based upon a perception of a physical thing. You know, somebody you like holds your hand and it's different from somebody you dislike holding your hand. It's the same physical contact, but how you perceive it could be either disturbingly intrusive or my old mate, you know, my friend. So so the the perception gives rise to the mental feeling, doesn't it? And actually, uh, this is why we, you know, most human societies develop particular protocols around body behavior, gestures, social gestures, so we all know, oh, that's cool, that's okay. In this culture, that's fine, you know. So, you know, if you're in, in France, it's quite ordinary for people to, men to kiss each other when they say goodbye. You know, in England, you just think, this is either because of your sexual inclination or, or distinctly off, you know, you don't... And yet, what is it? <laughs> Just that, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, so, particularly in Asian culture, very different. 
often there's not a lot of body contact. Um, or it's done in partic- particular situations and scenarios, you know, of, 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 of uh, deep friendship, mm-hmm. handshaking, so on. So, anyway, all this is all stuff, isn't it? What, what, what uh, perceptions arise and the, and the feelings that come, mental feeling of disagreeable or agreeable come from perceptions. It's all programmed. Yet, you know, as human beings, we tend to need maps. Makes it easy. Makes it convenient. We're all on the same page. This is what we do in shrine rooms. This is what we do, you know. So it's programmed. And even consciousness is programmed in that when something is experienced, it immediately triggers off a feeling and a perception. Even something like samadhi can be experienced as a perception of of light or softness or open space or warmth or lights can come up. You know, a certain sense of brilliance can arise, a perception. That's it, just a perception. There's nothing... You know, it's yeah, it's interesting, it's different, but it's nothing super mundane it's still a perception whether it's sound of silence or lights or quietness it's still a perception and you can get pleasant feeling from that pleasant, agreeable, there's nothing wrong it's that and it can be useful any perception of samadhi generates states of perception that because they're relatively stable and internal they're quite secure, you, then you can contemplate because it's not completely shifting around. You've got something steady. You contemplate the, the, the sankara, both, you know, that it's compounded itself. It's come through causes. So it's, it's programmed, you know, human minds do this. Uh, and it's also, you, but the most important programming to, to recognize is the sense of selfhood. I am this, I'm in this, or I'm other than this, you know. So some sense of self getting generated. That's that's the that's the defective that's the program that, that binds that's that's the one program that you really that's where release occurs. Not through not having feeling or perception, but through this sense of eye building. Or this this is the one. So with consciousness brings in and it's programmed to trigger off perceptions and feelings. That's what it has to do. But the personal storyline around that is not necessary, and it's off. This is the source of affliction. A personal storyline around perceptions and feelings, body, the whole lot, is is the issue. And this, this, so with perceptions, for example, an extremely uh, volatile area, feeling abandoned, feeling left behind, feeling entitled, feeling it's my rights, feeling I don't have any rights, I'm dumped on. You know, wow, there's lots of stuff can be happening for people you know, in relationship with each other or in, in structured situations. 
feeling responsible, I can go into that, you know, sense of I've got to do all this, hmm, interesting, you know. Um, well, who said that? Where did that come from? I mean, you know, where's that deeply held? Where is it not just a, a function, but actually almost something that's become becomes deeply held with some sense of dukkha in that stress, um, habituation, uh, compulsion, uh, always going to be like this, those senses, you know. So you can always detect it, the defective programs, because they got the sense of I am, I always, or I never, you know, uh, they've got that ring to them. They're not just, oh, it's that, but, oh, here we are again. You know, this is me again. I'm in this. Always happens to me. Never get. Don't. Can't do. Not as good as. You know. <laughs> got to heart. Got to get it all done. Perfectionist programs. Comparison programs. I'm not as good as she is. He is. I'm not as wise, kind, gentle, brave. Yeah, 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 yeah you know. So those those things going on, books, I'm not what it's supposed to be in the book, I'm not that, you know, the books are enlightened, humans aren't. Um, so this these things so these get you know and it's the it's the pathology around all that. This is so this is the sankara, it's activated, it flashes, it it, it growls, it uh, haunts us, it comes running after you sometimes. Sometimes you can hardly get sitting down before it starts comparing you with everybody else. <laughs> you know, it's that it's that immediate. And, and like, who? Where did where did this one come from? You know, fault finding program, finding fault with self and everyone else. And it's all in some ways. These all these perceptions have truth in them. You know, she is taller than him, or he is bigger than her, or yes, you know, or he is quicker, or more gifted with words than he is. But there's something quite simple about that, like, you know, whether you can garden or cook is just that. But the, the programming is this, when it's grinding into you, it's got a particular echo that's saying this is not about an action this is not about some objective fact this is deeply you <laughs> yeah and what you are and what you never can be and what you always will be it's got that quality to it and uh, so this is the the defective stuff mm-hmm. so all these this is the domain so it, it's Occurs particularly around perception and uh, these programs because it's 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 psychological. This is why it can be it can be because it's a program because it's an activity, even though it's not a conscious decision or an activity we're in control of. It is something that one can deactivate can be deactivated. And this, of course, is the whole motivation of, of Dhamma practices. You know, you could, 
we can generate or arrive at the skill whereby this programming can be discharged, diffused through direct knowing of it. Through direct knowing. Not through finding a place where it doesn't occur, which is an understandable strategy. But we're not going to work it out there if you don't, you know, just because it isn't occurring doesn't mean one's transcended it. <laughs> yeah. And quite a lot of it's in, um, in in relational experience, just being with other people. So, yeah, you know, easy, get off on my own. Well, yeah. There's something good to be said about that because it's true that we can't just uh, go into all this stuff without the skill. And so the skill starts off quite, you know, generating your own bit of that. It's rather like, you know, um, starting the building bricks, building it up from square one. Particularly because the um, strong basis, and perhaps um, I would say uh, an essential basis, is in, in your body. As it said, you know the. The arising of the world, the ceasing of the world, and the path leading to the ceasing of the world is found in this fathom-length body with its perceptions and consciousness. It's in this. There's a new quality, one of the features of Sankara, is it, it, it does not separate body and mind, whereas our, our thinking and our perceptions separate body and from mind, but Sankara doesn't, as I said, when you feel fear, that's a psychological and a physical experience. When you feel relaxed, that's a psychological and physical experience. So you could say somatic, physical. It's the it's the it's the neurology. It's the nervous intelligence of the body. So these are, these are very strong and obvious um, experiences of that. There's the arising of the world. With all its me feeling in it, sensing, experiencing it. And the ceasing of it is when we come back into the body, feel those activations, feel those kaya sankara of bodily formations, bodily programs, and just get wider than that. So they always have the tendency to activation, will always tighten you up and contract you. So you want to widen, soften. in the presence of the the program.
And then the what can occur is that the, the activation ceases or relaxes and then you know the perception of that which is distasteful is just oh well it's it's either not distasteful or it doesn't really matter. It's not getting at you, it's not triggering you. So it's uh, part of our practice is the is is for insight is to you know notice these places where we're getting triggered and come into the body at that place, breathing in, breathing out, relax, widening. So instead of that bunched up, tight state, softening instead of that sharp busy state or that rigid state, softening, widening, and just being there with that and letting it sort itself out. There's direct knowing through through this embodied awareness. And the point, you know, is, is to keep, however silly or mundane or unrelated it may seem to Dhamma practice, whatever the experience is, you know, you just keep your eye out for the sense of meanness, and particularly the strong ones when you get the sense of being either flaring up or pushing or sinking down, and you probably know your patterns or start to get to know your patterns and stop you know, denying or feeling upset about it, or it's just that one gets rattled, one caves in, one flares up, one goes rigid, one wriggles, one ducks, one denies. You know, these are the things that people, beings do when we when we come up against these these uncomfortable patterns of our karma. I was just noticing myself. I got this um, message a few days ago that this, uh, we were having a, have a meeting in in a kind of group meeting of sangha elder monks, and we decided this meeting was going to be sometime in December. Okay, structure that in, make various arrangements to bring that around, and then got this sort of message that oh well, these some of them decided they want to shift the meeting to another time. And so they so just witnessing the feeling of suddenly, you know, um, the program. This, the program for me is is, um, you know, like the rest of the group have kind of shoved me in, kind of pushed me into something. And this is very often the case when in groups, particularly in sangha, you know, either the, the teacher decides suddenly we're all shoved into line with what the teacher decided. Or six of us felt that way and one guy didn't and he has to go along with it. <laughs> you know, that feeling of, oh, you know, these so pig-headed stuff, what do they think they are? What's me to this, that, or the other? You know, we don't like to obey, really. It's amazing we manage so well. Well, I don't know, perhaps you do like to obey. I don't like to obey. <laughs> you know, I want to do things... I feel my way.
so anyway, so I feel this kind of wolf sense of, oh dear, you know, shoved into this. I've got to do this, got the other. And I'm starting to find out the reasons why I couldn't do it, didn't want to do it, shouldn't have to do it. You know, if you decided one thing, how dare they change their minds? And why do I have to go along with this? And I'm busy, you know, and I thought, like, wow. Mm, sit with that for a while before you say anything. <laughs> you know, you just feel that the energy rise, and then, oh, let's just so notice that for an, uh, you know an afternoon or so, till the thinking starts to the bubbles come down and you just get into the. You know, what's really under there? All that, all that movement of why I shouldn't have to do this? How dare they? This isn't proper. Movement of that. So the feeling of, you know. Uh, well, it'd be nice to have been sort of just sounded out, you know, and before suddenly, you know, that, that sense of being left out or pushed out. Or then you, you then you sort of sit with that for a while. Actually, how realistic is that? Mm-hmm. When you get, particularly in Sangha, you get such an amorphous family. You're trying to consult everyone, and maybe, you know. It's not all dark, set in stone. So sit with that. For a while, just sit with that, and then being a little bit more relaxed, the perception changes. And relaxing, widening, including it, and then thinking, after a while I think, oh, it'd be really nice to go and meet my old friends again. (laughs) (laughs) Have a meeting, great. Suddenly it all shifts, you know. And of course that's just another thing. That's not true either, you know, ultimately. But you see how, how just by sitting with it, sometimes a day, because the, the programming uh, for, for, it can be different for, for each of us. I'm personally programmed more to being a bit of a loner, actually. Strange, you know, I've been living in groups for 35 years, but I tend to always, you know, feel more confident in doing things on my own. So that the group has always had this feeling of being being overwhelmed or not not supported, but tend to be overwhelmed or having to, you know, it's, it's not a supportive sense. That's just karma. Who knows why? So that can that can trigger around most anything to do with the with the with the group. So it's actually very useful to be in a group. And also, I found it useful to be in a group when I'm not, say, in charge of it. That's really helpful. Then I can really see some of this stuff about having to do this, and they didn't ask me, and I didn't feel that way. And just wait a minute, how 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 important is this? You know, I'm getting sort of het up about the colour of the wallpaper. I mean, is it that important? I'm, you know, no. What's important is to understand get to that as to why it's important. What's important is to know why it's important. It's to feel why it's important. And it always comes down to very basic formations of self. How we sense the self as being with other people. Or sometimes people don't like, you know, dread the sense of being on their own. Like, flustered. I don't know what to do. You know, Somebody show me, guide me, lead me. You know? To me, that's great. <laughs> Get out of my way. <laughs> I can do my thing. <laughs> Other people are like, oh, please, show me the way. Don't leave me alone. Uh, so these things you know, can go along. 
So just noticing how you get triggered. And you know, almost the fundamental rule when you start to chalk in is when you feel that rush, don't act on it. <laughs> you know, when you feel that, when you feel yourself coming into form, you know, the left out or the always having to or the can't do or the everyone else can but I'm not able to. Whenever one of those kicks in, this is not to be acted on. Definitely not. This is karma. You want to keep creating it. There's always some truth in it. But, you know, for, for transcendence, we're not trying to know just a relative truth but what's you know, it's always yeah it could be it would have been better if but, but where's the release from that that being held being thrown by your own nervous system into spasms into the same old patterns because this is aggregated because it is stuck together because it's not a solid real ultimate thing it doesn't have to keep coming together in this way our first process is really to just kind of at least get that as as an as an intellectual thing there is a release and it's through through this uh, through understanding this karma, it's called the ending of karma, and sankara are karma patterns. In other words, they're established through habits and activities or, or, or things that even have been done to us, how we've been programmed. And it can be, you can get to the end of that. You may not get to the end of feeling fear, but you can get to the end of contracting around it, of it being pathological of being frightened of something before you've even met it. <laughs> you know, tomorrow I'm already frightened of it. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm already anxious, the feeling it might not be able to work, it might go wrong. Wow, where's that? You know, why don't you run through the... the for some people it's like, tomorrow it's going to be wonderful, aren't you? you know, these kind of congenital optimists. Something better's going to happen tomorrow. Because then a little pessimist is, you know, it's going to turn out nasty tomorrow. We can't, this is all right now, but you can't hang on to it. It's going to get bad. So the future, the past, oneself, and others, these are particular nodalities where these, this patterning triggers. Because all of them are unknown. And yet we fill them in, we write them in emotionally, myself other people, the future, the past, we write on it with our patterning. So you start to contemplate that patterning, even when it's not, you know, rapidly running, when it's just a kind of a subtle sense, subtler sense. Because that will line up, will aggregate your world, A world whereby we're just about managing because the future is going to be worse. Or just about bearing up because basically I'm a mess. Or managing to hold my own against other people because basically they're not looking after, they're not there for my welfare. You know, these negative programs. 
or the entitlement program. You know, everyone should be here looking after me. You know, I should be able to get what I want. Why not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all we know is that there's lots of them, and they and it's, so we're different. We're mapped differently. So certainly one of the um, kind of programs is to not not feel them, you know, the defense or denial one where you don't, so sometimes it's it's compounded with your mind just jumps off as soon as you touch into something that's got a bit of wobble in it, your mind shifts to something else, you know, suddenly, uh, oh, you know, that, that moving away. So this is where the sense of just, Awareness of that, of the fluster, the move, the jump, and then, you know, what what is necessary to to bring get to direct awareness. Now, if, because this patterning can be quite evocative and strong and, and compulsive, it's certainly not the case. You just sit there and be with it, because it will tend to tends to take over. It's like being with an octopus. It doesn't really obey the rules <laughs> it's not polite it doesn't, it doesn't understand the Dhamma so it just grabs you and you're in rage again you know so you don't want to do just doing that because you, it becomes something that you almost uh, keep feeding it by, by putting yourself into it so this sense of re-establishing the health you know we might say the whole body this is why samadhi, I think, is, in my opinion, essential. So whatever level it is, and we can proliferate around that. But that sense of a steady, composed, re- reference to a steady, composed, embodied state of well-being. Now, it's not going to be necessarily, you know, ecstatic, but comfortable. And just making that part of one's practice, it's like feeling... The whole body breathing in and out. You know, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a fundamental thing, but it becomes, you know, just recognizing that it's not just a technique, it's a deeply relevant. Unless we do that, you haven't really got a place to stand to discharge these, these sankharas. So you have to build a program yourself into the health, the well being, the comfortable the easeful, the uncontracted, physically, psychologically, emotionally, because it all feeds into the same thing, whether it's, you know, psychological pressure will tend to create somatic resonances. So trying to, you know, cultivating a whole domain of non-abuse, you know, non-pressure, just gentleness, kindness, is all part, very much part of it. So there's really not a separation between the body and the mind. You look at where's the opening. You know, maybe one does feel, you know, pretty tight or wound up, but we can at least generate goodwill towards feeding the birds, you know. 
I don't like people, but I can feed birds. <laughs> you know, that's wherever you know. And of course, or we, you know. So whenever one can get this sense of where your feel good is, you want to go to that place, and then you start to internalize it, so you can get into that, you know, being with myself, comfortable, friend, befriended warm, okay, what it feels like. We all know that place. We've all been there. Otherwise we'd be nuts, completely nuts. Or, or, you know, dead by now. So we all know that place we feel warm, befriended, okay. You know, and then try to just, you know, get that sense and then really feel the sense and let go of the, the story or the image that brings it up, just the sense and then what it's like when you're bringing it really into your body so you establish the bodily presence and then you start to contemplate the way the body is experienced how the rupa aggregate is experienced is it stiff, is it tight where is it tight, where is it stiff where is it some pressure where is it weak where is it caving in and through that steady you know spreading awareness of the whole of the form, breathing the whole of the form, it becomes into a more unified um, could be you notice it particularly around the uh, the certain areas like the sockets, you know, the arm sockets uh, and the joints where there are spaces, the jaw, you get certain tightening around there because that's part of the signal to tighten up. Hmm? You can feel it as flushing, so flushing up through the face or the chest. Yeah. Fire, flushing fire. A lot of it can occur around the head, particularly the, the forehead, the eyes, and the occiput. It can be a band of, of trying, you know, trying or holding through the head. So you want to smooth around that whole area, the, the forehead, the eyes, like a scarf around the, or a bandana around the head, and the jaw, the cheeks, the mouth. Because this, this head is like about 40, 40 muscles involved with expression. So that's a lot, a lot of those can be, you know, compulsively activated. And then down from the throat to the, to the sternum, the breastbone, this area, you know, just contemplating there, soothing there, you know, widening across the body, across the back. And it's particularly the front of the body is much more, because it's more vulnerable, much more stuff going on there. You may not notice it because um, the mind doesn't go there. So we want to take it to places it doesn't go because maybe it needs to go there. You know, maybe this is where some of our core reactivity is is held. We've never really been there or stayed there because it's uncomfortable. And then bringing that to, to the whole body and it's a very gentle and uh, relaxing quality. So we're not pushing in or trying to shift stuff or there's no intensity to it. 
So you want to take the word intense off out of the vocabulary of meditation. It will almost certainly do you harm. You act on it. Things release in their own time. It's a it's a extremely complex system, but it will know itself. It will it will heal itself. It will work itself out. If you start putting pressure in particular places, you're liable to throw the whole thing out of kilter. And sometimes it's just sitting with a strange sense in your in your chest that you don't really understand or being with that is widening, breathing in, breathing out. Referring to the whole body, not just parts of it, so it goes for the whole, that each part is seen or experienced as part of the whole thing. And you probably begin to notice, um, you know, slowing down, the nervous energy steadying, becoming more calm. That's an important part of it. Because that you get that reference, then that becomes almost your norm that you can begin to more clearly see when we get rattled or ruffled. Suddenly the whole thing starts jumping. You don't you know, if we don't have that reference, we don't even recognise that, that sign as being something going wrong. It's just normal to get rat- ruffled and rattled. We call it being, you know, responsible. <laughs> or something like that. Or being polite. So... So in this we come to, if you like, to the basic, um, because the Sankara runs through all the aggregates. When you work on the Sankara quality in in any one of them, and it's fundamentally this this gripped, held upadana, uh, where a whole lot of self-forming and proliferations about oneself and the world and others, which is familiar, it's a story that we know. It's that's the one that you want to pause, check, feel what's really happening. Breathing in, breathing out. Coming to direct knowing and a release of that. So this is the domain and it can happen... You know, it's there when we're washing up, it's there when we're chanting, it's there when we move around and see someone, it's there when we sit and meditate. You know, the domain, we never leave that domain. Mm. The domain of the five khanda. So this is where our insight has to to work. And you want to almost like, as you get your basic stuff, your kind of foundational thing established, Take, you know, and we always come back to that, building up the sitting position, building that up. So you've got that, you build that up, build that up, build it. It's always relevant to keep building that up, in my opinion. And then, But then you also notice how when you move out of 
different forms, a sitting form into a walking form, or internal form into an external form, or a silent form into a communicative form. Where's the, where's the, the snagging? Where's the hits? Where's the, the jump? You know? And you, oh, there it is. So then there are many, many practices that we can bring into mind, into play, depending on what mode we're in, you know, when we're operating. But in my estimation, well, always the release point is always the embodied sense. That's where it, you see it, and that's where you see the end of the world. It's said one touches the deathless with one's body. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's in that 